Hi, this is Allison Sheridan of the No Silicast Podcast, hosted at podfeet.com, a technology geek podcast with an ever so slight Apple bias. Today is Sunday, August 18th, 2019, and this is show number 745. Well, before we get started, I hate to tell you guys this, but I have to confess that I'm going on yet another little tiny vacation. We're going to Michigan to hang out with my uncle and my cousins. You see, my cousin Dory keeps posting photos on Facebook of her bare feet sticking up out of the end of a kayak floating down a river. So I wrote to her and I said, I want to come to Michigan and do that with you. Now, it's uh, it's interesting. I have only seen this group of cousins and uncle once before as an adult, uh, but they're all hilarious. Uh, it was, I think we decided 14 years ago was the last time I saw them. And the time before that, I was a child. So uh, I don't know these cousins very well, but they're all super fun. And uh, I don't know, I think I'm like a movie star coming from California to Flint, Michigan. Anyway, set your jokes aside. Now, why do you care that I'm going to float down a river with my cousin? Well, that's because the trip will span either side of next weekend. That means the NoSellaCast will be late. It will take place, but it will be late. Now, I've given you a few of them early in the past year, so I think I have some credit banked here. If I do the show on Tuesday instead of Sunday, Bart can do a security bits with me that day, so it will be a great full show. But that means there will be no live show on Sunday, August 25th. Okay, hear that live show, folks? You see, they don't pay very much attention to me all the time, so I have to wake them up sometimes. So listen to me, guys. No live show next Sunday. Well, we've got an awesome show this week. It is what I'm calling an all-girls show because I've got uh, a great recording from Dorothy, also known as Mac Lurker. And I've got, uh, let's see, Chit Chat Across the Pond was with Sandy Foster. And uh, I've got a segment in this show with Denise, who's been gone for a really long time, Denise Deverell. So it's going to be a whole bunch of fun this week. But before I get into that, I did have the great pleasure of being on the Clockwise podcast this week. I was hosted by Micah Sargent and returning host emeritus Jason Snell because Dan Morin was out this week. The other guest was Ant Pruitt from Tech Republic. If you haven't ever listened to Clockwise, they have an unusual and delightful format. They cover four tech topics in exactly 30 minutes. I don't mean 29. I don't mean 31. It is 30 minutes. The way it works is each guest lobs up a topic and the other three answer, and each of us only gets like two to three minutes to answer the question. This show is crisp, well thought out, and lots of fun to listen to. This week, we talked about the books we wish would be made into a television series. We talk about whether or not we use online delivery services. And then my question, which of course was awesome, my question was whether each of us is a fanatic about clipboard managers or whether we don't see what all the fuss is about. I love the answers because I got the full spectrum on that one. You can find this episode of Clockwise at Relate.fm slash Clockwise, and it's episode number 307. I mentioned this was an all-girl show. Well, in Chit Chat Across the Pond this week, I asked Sandy Foster, also known as Mac Quilter on Twitter, and simply Sandy in the live chat room and in our Slack group, to come on the show to talk about why she thought, or I'm sorry, why she bought a specific model of car just to get CarPlay. Now, the thing is, everybody keeps telling me how awesome CarPlay is, and not having gotten to really play with it very much, I hadn't really gotten a feel for why people love it so much. And I'm not just talking about Apple fan people, I'm talking about normal people keep telling me, oh, CarPlay, it's the best thing ever. Anyway, Sandy walks through how it works on her new Prius Prime, which is the only 2020 model of Prius that has CarPlay. We move from CarPlay into talking about the cool tech her new car has, and there's a surprise technology available in that Prius Prime that's really innovative, and we get into that. 
Now, I thought about calling this episode Two Chicks Talk Cars or maybe Two Grandmas Talk Cars, but I'll go with Chit Chat Across the Pond, episode 605, Sandy Foster on CarPlay and Prius Prime Tech. And you can find that in your full Chit Chat Across the Pond feed or under Chit Chat Across the Pond Lite. And as always, you can listen over at podfeet.com. Now, let's start out with a fascinating tech journey that Dorothy, also known as at MacLurker on Twitter and MacLurker in the uh, Slack chat room and everywhere in the Discord chat room. Anyway, she started this interesting tech journey, and I'd like to have her tell you all about it. Hello, Missoula Castaways. This is MacLurker, also known as Dorothy, Allison's gym buddy. For a long time, I've been wanting to change my primary email service and name. I've had it for years and years. It's long since been sold into the dark web. It's time to wipe the slate clean and start over. Except that I can't really do that without some serious consequences, which requires some equally serious planning. In Security Bits of July 14th, Bart mentions a list of alternatives to all Google products, including 10 secure emails from TechSpot. This inspired me to finally tackle the problem of moving my banking, credit card, government communications to somewhere safer. Sadly, for you, the listener... This presentation does not include a definitive answer or even a process. All that is months ahead of me. And one size does not fit all. But I need a plan and wanted to consider my process in developing that plan. Hopefully we'll help you guys know what to consider in selecting a secure email and making the move. So, what is the problem to be solved? This is a big problem. It breaks down into multiple sub-problems. First, how to select a secure email provider. Each provider has its own pros and cons. Which of these is essential and deal-breaking and which is not? Second, once a secure email is selected, how should it be evaluated? Is there a free trial? Is the time period of evaluation long enough to be valid? Which criteria are important to me? Third, how to transition from an email that I've used for decades and that's embedded everywhere to something else? This is the biggie. Every login that takes an email address, which is pretty much all of them, will have to be investigated. I can guarantee, per Murphy, that each login's change process will be unique and require research. Some logins take an email address as a username. Can I change my email without changing the username? All unknown right now. Fourth, which logins will be transferred to the new email or emails? Which are the crown jewels, as Bart would say, and need extra security and privacy? And which really don't matter? And I need to decide if I will give up my current email accounts entirely or keep them around to collect spam and use for trivial logins. I have hundreds of logins. Do I really want to change all of them? Also unknown at this point. The following addresses how I plan to proceed with problems one and two above. I have learned from my programming days that it is critical to establish precise documented requirements before beginning any project. Otherwise, how do you know when you're done? And how will you know if you've gotten what you need unless you decide what you need ahead of time? This means writing things down and doing research to make sure all aspects have been considered and thinking about what really matters and what doesn't. In Security Bits, Bart refers to a website called Best Secure Email Providers, by RetroRestorePrivacy.com, link in the show notes. Its goal, help you find the best secure email solution for your unique needs. A perfect start to my search. This article lists a number of factors to consider when switching. Let's review them one by one. First, jurisdiction. 
Where is the service located and how does it affect user privacy? Where are your data physically stored? My take? This is important if you're concerned about your government spying on you. Also, is this email provider taking money from your government or is it a government contractor? And what for? Are they likely to sell you out? For me, this is not an issue. I'm not saying my government is not spying on me. I'm just saying I'm not very concerned about that. For now. It's probably worthwhile looking at the people that run the service. What are their priorities? Is their philosophy in line with your thinking? More on that in a minute. Next point, PGP or pretty good privacy support. Some secure email providers support PGP, while others do not use PGP due to its vulnerabilities and weaknesses. My take? I have no problem using PGP, problems notwithstanding. This is not a high-priority matter for me. See inscription below. Next item, import feature. Can you import your existing emails and contacts? My take? Importing existing contacts can make for a smooth transition. It would be nice to have all those addresses that I have accumulated available from the start. On the other hand, maybe starting clean and adding contacts as used is better. I'm on the fence about this right now. I have been archiving my emails into the, o- the Mac OS app Mail Steward. It provides a light SQL database with nice search abilities and keeps all my old emails in one tidy database file. So I'm thinking I don't need to import ex- existing emails. But it would be nice if MailSteward could import future emails from the client apps I'm considering. Something else to investigate. Having email unencrypted on my Mac in an SQL database is probably not very secure. But again, convenience versus security on the fence here too. I should note that my Mac is an iMac and doesn't go wandering around, so maybe this really isn't that big of an issue. Next point, email apps. Due to encryption, many secure email services cannot be used with third-party email clients, but some do offer dedicated apps. My take, ideally a desirable email provider will work with both the Mac OS and iOS email clients. Then I can see all my emails in one place. Important during the transition period, which could be months. To do that, I would require a provider that supports SMTP, Simple Mail Transfer Protocol, used for sending messages to a server, and POP3, Post Office Protocol, used to retrieve messages from a server on an application layer, and IMAP, Internet Message Access Protocol, used to retrieve messages from a server using TCP IP. Why these protocols? Because most popular email clients use them, and if the provider supports them, it's more likely that I can use the macOS and iOS email clients. Many really secure email providers don't use the above protocols because they want to be, you know, really secure. They use their own proprietary encryption schemes. Other email providers include a client app which works separately, guaranteed to work smoothly with the server, but now another place to check for emails. Remember that uh, convenience versus security thing. And finally, how would it work with MailSteward? Next point, encryption. Are emails encrypted end-to-end in transit? Are emails and attachments encrypted at rest? My take, end-to-end encryption in transit sounds great. Avoid avoid all those man-in-the-middle complications. But will you get that talking to another email provider? If my buddy is on Gmail and not encrypting, what good will encryption do me? 
In other words, will I end up only emailing encrypted to others on the same surface? Also, a good VPN might solve a lot of this already. As a side note, Tutanota, one suggested option, says encrypted emails can be sent to non-Tutanota users with a pre-shared password. I'm fairly sure that whatever secure email provider I select, no one else I know will be on it. Encryption at rest, which I assume means the data is stored encrypted in the provider's computers, will be a requirement for me, preventing data leakage if they ever get hacked. Next point, features. Some features you may want to consider are contacts, calendars, file storage, inbox search and and collaboration tools, spam protection, and support for DAV services. Some providers have a complete suite of services along with email. My take. Of the features listed above, the following will be required. File storage, the ability to store attachments and other files on their servers. I will need to ask how much space is provided and what is the cost. Uh, Inbox search, got to be able to find stuff at some point. And finally, spam protection. I already have calendar and contacts with iOS and macOS, so I probably don't need those services. Next point, security. What are those providers' security standards and policy? I take. These are worth a quick review to see if the providers are in line with my feelings. Privacy. How does the email service protect your privacy? What data is being collected? For how long and why? My take. The whole point of this exercise is to keep my communications private. So this area will need careful review and will probably be a discriminator when deciding between providers. Like anything else, there's a fine line between keeping private and the associated hassle. Where does one outweigh the other? And finally, threat model. How much privacy and security do we, do you need and what service best fits those needs? This is the big question. How much privacy do I need? Here are some thoughts. First, I do value my privacy. The thought that there are people out there collecting data to use against me is very repugnant. I really want to be a lurker, hang out in the woodwork, and be invisible. Second, I want to stay secure and protect myself. However, I have been the victim of so many data breaches at this point that whatever is not out there for sale probably isn't worth anything. I really don't need an extraordinary amount of privacy. I really don't have any super secret or important information to secure. I'm an average person with average needs. I do want to do the sensible thing, take sensible precautions. I want to feel safe. And I would also really want not to have to tie myself in knots to get there. As noted below, security is a rat hole that I can probably never get to the bottom of. At some point, I need to put a boundary on my paranoia and say, this is good enough. Not perfect, but good enough. Of course, until something happens to change that. It's important to think this through carefully ahead of time so that when I'm faced with options, I can select consistently and in line with how I feel about security and privacy. I should add that once you get to the bottom of the article from Restore Privacy, you will find that they suggest you find a secure browser at the same time. And while you're at it, get a VPN as well, for home and for travel, which is why I really hesitated to start this. Security can turn into a rat hole where I get lost and confused and end up doing nothing because it's all so overwhelming and there are so many options. In the interest of sanity, I'm going to limit this exercise to email providers for now. Having laid out some requirements and made a start at prioritizing them, what's next? 
I now have specific questions to get answered for each email provider. I, pre- I plan to create a nice Excel file to collect up all the data for comparison. Hopefully the process of collecting the data will make the correct choice easier. I also plan to add iCloud email to the list of providers to consider. It's not on the restore privacy list, probably not secure enough, but being an Apple product, integration and transition might be easier. My next step is to collect data for up to five different email providers, start a free trial to learn ease of use and transition, and compare each provider's features against the above list of requirements. I now have the beginnings of a plan. However, I feel I feel I need to mention that this plan will work for me, but not necessarily someone else. Feel free to adopt any part of my work as you need, but please consider your needs first. I have not addressed problem three above, how to transition from my current email address, and problem four above, which accounts logins will be transferred to the new email. They will have to be incorporated into my plan at some point, but I'll leave that for another day. If you have any questions, corrections, clarifications, or comments, you can address them to me, Mac Lurker, in Slack. Thank you. Well, I think this is going to be fun watching Dorothy do this, watching her descend into madness as she uh, checks all of the different ISPs and different options and the way they work. Um, the fun part for me is I get to see and hear this sausage get made on the uh, ellipticals every other day at the gym. So this will be fun to see what she comes up with. It should be pretty interesting. Again, she's pretty active in our Slack group over at podfeet.com slash Slack. And like she says, you can find her at MacLurker. You know, I'm a huge believer in Apple Care and that it has saved me more times than I can count. Who could forget the five 12.9 inch iPad Pros and four keyboards Apple replaced for me? In all cases, I haven't had to pitch any kind of fit to get them to honor the warranty when it was obvious that the devices weren't working properly. No stomping of my tiny little foot was required. But recently, I did have a problem with Apple. I bought the silicone case for my iPhone XS last year when the phones first came out. It's a lovely salmon color, and the feel of it was so soft and lovely, and yet it had just enough friction that the phone would never slip out of my hand. After about six months, though, the case started to feel kind of sticky on the edges. I didn't remember eating pancakes with syrup around it, but just in case, I carefully washed it with mild soap and water and let it dry out, and yet it still felt sticky. The good news is that Apple has a one-year warranty on their iPhone cases. They'll tell you that. Just ask them. I took it into the local Apple store and I asked for a replacement. I was told I had to have a genius bar appointment to get it replaced, but that they could slip me into the schedule in just a few minutes. Apparently nobody else could grab the case and tell that it was sticky. Anyway, the genius verified with his own hands that it was sticky, but that he didn't think that counted as a reason to replace it. I asked for a manager. She held the phone case in her hand and denied that it was sticky. I used everything in my power to convince her that it was, but she was having none of it. She said if it was actually peeling apart, I could then get it replaced, but not for this imaginary stickiness. Angrily, I went home and started searching for similar replacements, but I wasn't able to find anything I liked that was as thin as the Apple case and still had enough of a ledge above the glass to provide a bit of protection for a fall. I guess I was going to have to live with my sticky iPhone case. Fast forward a few months and the Apple case has now started to completely fall apart. It's cracked in the upper two corners and the bottom right and left sides are peeling apart. Well, I guess now the manager can't deny me, right? Back to the Apple store where again I'm told that I have to have a genius look at it because apparently nobody else can tell that chunks of it are peeling off, but they'd be with me in just like five to ten minutes. 
30 minutes later, Warren comes to talk to me. He is absolutely not my little friend Warren. Warren looks at the phone case and then starts to figure out how to do a warranty return. On the inside of Apple cases, it turns out there's a serial number printed, but it's very tiny and it's on that felty sort of fabric, so it's pretty close to impossible to read. He tries a bunch of combos and he keeps pulling the case case close up to try to read it better, but can't quite get the system to recognize the number, even though he tries all these combinations. I held up my phone with the accessibility feature called Magnify turned on, and he looks at me and says, in the snottiest tone you can possibly imagine, your technology won't work for this. It doesn't work that way. You don't understand how it works. (laughs) Excuse me? My technology? Well, I decided to take a picture anyway with the magnifier and make some suggestions. You know, maybe that's a T, not a 7, but it didn't get us anywhere. It did, of course, magnify just as it needed to. At some point, he decides he can bypass this step, and he tells me, I can order you a new case. I explained that I'm not willing to wait for a new case, especially especially since I don't believe he can get the color that I had, as Apple changes the colors all the time. I tell him I'd like to take home one of the equivalent cases they're selling right there in the store. He says, no. By this time, I've been in the store for a full 45 minutes with no new case in sight. May I speak to a supervisor, please? Warren takes me to a supervisor who is clearly just starting a conversation with a the customer. They're just beginning to take his iPad out of a box and they're looking at a receipt and clearly this is going to take a while. After a few moments, I asked Warren, isn't there another supervisor available? Warren, again, in the most aggravating tone of voice I could imagine. Actually, I haven't fully really, it showed you exactly how this guy spoke because he also spoke slowly. When I asked him, isn't there another supervisor available? He said, this is the supervisor we're going to talk to. I told him this was not the question I asked and that he should probably not try to push my buttons right now. He said, if I talked to him like that again, he was going to report me. Good grief. I wish I'd gotten the manager's name who came into the story next. I'm going to call him boss man. I explained quite calmly what the issue was. Bossman looks at the case and tells me that's not covered under warranty because the corners are cracked. I'm sure you can just imagine how this comment went over with me. I believe I said something along the lines of, yes, that's why I need to get it replaced. It cracked in normal usage. I take the phone out of the case from time to time. That's normal usage. Also, look, the bottom is peeling off. Bossman was insistent that it wasn't covered. At this point, the annoying Warren asked to see the case again. He peers very closely and he points to an itsy-bitsy, tiny little dent at the top of the corner. He goes, clearly you dropped it, so this is not covered. Wait, no, he said, clearly you dropped it and it's not covered. This was after a full hour of working with these people. Let's be clear. This is a $39 case. I've taken up not one, but two people's time during much of this. And remember, this is the second time I've done this. How much do you think it cost Apple to not replace my iPhone case under warranty? I left the store and I began my search again for a similar case. And this time I found it. I bought the Taurus Love Series case on Amazon for $14. Looks exactly like the Apple case without the logo and feels just as lovely as the Apple case did when it was new. It is not sticky, and the edges are not peeling off, and the corners are not cracked. Now, it's altogether possible that this case will get sticky and cracked, but I will simply buy another one and have still saved money over buying another Apple case. I could nearly buy three of them. Now, I'll give one caveat on the Taurus case. 
I bought the Midnight Blue the first time, which on Amazon looks to be this really nice dark purple. But when I got it, it's more of a dark slate grayish blue. I didn't favor that color at all because it wasn't distinguishable enough from Steve's black case. I showed Steve the case and he said he'd love to have it because guess what? His Apple case is getting sticky. Anyway, since Steve loved the slate blue case, I bought the red Taurus case, which was a bit more expensive at $18, and it is just as gorgeous of a candy apple red as it looks online. I love this case. My advice to you is to stay as far away from Apple's silicone iPhone cases unless you're willing to buy them a couple of times a year. I mentioned, or I sent this article to a bunch of people, and so many people said, oh yeah, that happened to mine, I just bought another one. <laughs> Not going to do that. Do not expect Apple to honor this one-year warranty. It is fictitious. Be happy, buy somewhere else. An Amazon affiliate link has, of course, been supplied for the far less expensive and yet just as lovely Taurus case I described. You know, I did get a couple of comments on the blog post that went along with this and my favorite, and I wish I could, it might have been Tim Jar because he always writes the funniest stuff, but I'm not sure it was him. Somebody said I should print this article out and uh, wrap it around the phone case and mail the case to Tim Cook. Anyway, it's not worth making a federal case out of it, but it still annoyed me. Every once in a while, I like to remind you that a great way to support the PodFeed podcast is to donate to Bart rather than me. Bart puts in a massive amount of time reading security articles, figuring out the implications of what he learns, then writing them up and teaching them to us. He keeps us safe and secure, and that's not even counting the work he puts into programming by stealth. If you're interested in supporting Bart, the best way to do it is to go to his podcast site, lets-talk.ie. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. There's a link in the uh, podcast episode. You should be able to find it in there. And when you go there, you can choose a way to support him. He's got two big blue buttons that you cannot miss. One to support him via Patreon, which gives him a reliable revenue stream. Or if you prefer to do a lump sum donation, you can use his PayPal button. Now, he isn't trying to make a retirement plan out of the podcast work that he does. He just wants to make it where it doesn't cost him money to produce the fantastic work that he creates. I don't think it should cost him money, right? That's a that's not good. Anyway, while you're there, check out his two podcasts, Let's Talk Apple and Let's Talk Photography. They are both fantastic. Well, the entire internet seems to be a Twitter about the new Apple credit card, the Apple card. And I've asked uh, Denise to come on the show and uh, talk to us about her experiences with it, because I am totally jealous I do not have one, Denise. Hi, Allison. How are you? <laughs> yes, I am the proud card-carrying owner of a new Apple card. And let me tell you, you could use this thing as a weapon. It's the Ginsu knife of 2019. <laughs> Oh, that's right. I meant to introduce you as a card-carrying Apple fangirl, because you are officially that now, right? I am official. I want I want to also give a shout-out to uh, Donna, who has been sending me, again, torturing me with jealousy, with pictures of hers and little video screens of, of uh, animations of things that she experienced with her Apple card. So I may throw in her experiences from time to time here. But uh, here's an odd thing. Everybody I know personally who's gotten one is a woman. I think they're sending to women first, mostly. Really? Yeah, I just keep hearing women. I mean, there are men on podcasts I've heard from time to time, but it's a lot of women. So I don't know. I'm, I, I self-select my my listening anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get to let's get right to the heart of this. Did you need a credit card, Denise? 
I absolutely did not need a credit card. Um, and the use case for this card, honestly, I figured out after I got the card. Um, I signed up for the card because Tim Cook told me to. And so I got on the wait list. And uh, shockingly, I was on day two, I think I got my um, announcement. So I attribute that to several factors. In the 80s, I worked at Apple for a brief time at One Infinite Loop, so I'm sure they remember me. I met Steve Jobs at a Halloween party when he was running Next, um, and I do spend a fair amount of time at the Apple store. So somehow, I, I got on the day two list, which was pretty exciting. That trifecta, that must have been it. Right? <laughs> the trifecta, I'm sure they remember me. So, it, you know, it is a funny thing that Apple makes it. And, uh, you know, if you if you aren't in the uh, Apple uh, d- reality distortion field, I don't think you understand that the cool factor is a huge part of it, right? 99% of it, because the card itself is not that amazing. The benefits aren't terribly exciting. There's some, I think, some golf adventures that you can go on for a fee and some other things. But the things that I really care about are cash back and um, extended warranty. I really would have liked to have them do an extended warranty. I think that really would have cinched uh, cinched it for more people if they'd had that. But the the funny part of it is the last time I got a credit card was when Costco switched from Amex to Visa. And I think it's Visa they went with. Let me look at it. Yep, it's Visa. And I had to fill out a whole clipboard of information in black pen. And I always thought, like, if they dropped that clipboard somewhere, some identity theft person could have had a ball because they asked everything. This is such a different experience because they asked me, Two things, two bits of information. My annual income, which um, on face in the Facebook group, Tim Jar had a funny comment that, "Oh, you have to give them all your income." And, oh, that's right. Yes, yeah, I the, probably well, it was, do. It was the way you stated it. You said I had to give them my income. And <laughs> income. He goes, wow, I knew they cost a lot, but they had to, you had to give it all to them. I laugh my head off at that. that I'm sure good. they're coming for it any minute. <laughs> and the other bit of information was the last four of my social security card. And one of the, and it's very fast, very, very fast. Wait, wait, one wait. Of, only the last four. They did just not the last for the full social security number. No, and I figured out why later. They already know that <laughs> because I have a credit card in Apple Wallet and I have Apple Cash and they know my bank account and they have tons of information on me already. But how? Just, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't get your last four of your social through those things. No, but I had say, to. I had to give them that. Oh, I'm sorry, but they wouldn't have your full social security number. I mean, you have to give your social security number to get, you know, do anything at the doctor's office. I mean, everything is on the all the digits. That's weird. I mean, you, can, yeah, you can't get well, a cell phone. Cannot get a cell phone account in the United States without giving them your credit your social security number. That is true. I had a brief um, dalliance with T-Mobile, and they did do a hard credit pull on me to get a a T-Mobile phone or. Yeah, I, I, got, I remember a 45-minute argument with a Verizon rep once because they wanted it for a MiFi. I'm like, why? But they did. Yeah. So that's interesting. Okay, so last for your social, 
all of your income and boom. all of my income. And then it tells you what um, limit they're going to assign you and what credit rate. And you, if you don't like those terms, you stop there and it doesn't affect your credit. If you go ahead and accept that, then your the card is instantly activated. Your app comes alive with, you know, all kinds of things like ready to use, ready to use. And then the next day I got a notification that the card was shipping. And so I received the card two days later. And mine apparently took a direct path because Sandy mentioned on Facebook earlier today that hers is on a country tour of United now. It went from yes. California to Kentucky, and then it's going back to Nevada because it, it wanted a little vacation, a little bluegrass yeah. or something, you know, a concert. It, it, I don't know. It's just weird. Um, but anyway, I got it two days later. Um, the unboxing of it, I thought, was a really nice experience. It comes in a um, manila folder, like recycled paper, very earth friendly and then you open up the interior folder and there's the card and there's a little tiny um chip inside of it a uh, nfc chip and you just hover your phone over this nfc chip and it activates in seconds oh, and wow. no calling uh, yeah. and talking to a human huh no you don't have to go to the web and and type in forward slash activate and enter a bunch of information. It's just instantaneous. Um, now, this is which the part I, that, that uh, Donna sent me a video of that I was kind of confused by. It showed uh, something, a thing coming up from the bottom of the screen, sort of like when you open your AirPods and it shows you the battery charge on those. Yes. Yeah, there's a little pop-up window that um, I can't remember exactly. I wasn't clever like Donna was to record it when it was happening. But there's a little pop-up that came in a, a whirly gig that said processing, and then it just said, your card is activated. She said that she did she did it several times because she did not catch it the first time. She said, I did it so many times it finally went, hey, look, it's already activated. Quit screwing around. <laughs> yeah, it's so fast. If you blinked, you would miss it. It's that quick. So it's kind of funny to think about being excited about opening an envelope. Right. I mean, how many people are excited when their credit card comes? Woohoo. You know, usually it's like, ah, now I got to right. make that phone call. I, I don't know why, but I hate that phone call. I leave, I'll leave my credit card sitting on the counter for three or four days and finally <laughs> Steve will go do it because I don't like doing it. It's like, why do I have to do that? You're the one who lost the number in the first place, not me. Well, I'm not going to lie. I saw the FedEx truck pull up and I thought, it can only be one thing, my Apple card. And I <laughs> raced out and yanked it from his hand before he had a chance to sit it down. <laughs> You're certifiable. You, you make me sound like not a fanatic, you know? Oh, says the woman who chased the UPS driver down the street for her iPhone. No, that was that was not me. That was um, uh, uh, Katie Floyd. She was the one that oh. was in the shower and then and and the UPS guy came and she wrapped herself in a towel. Uh. Okay, now I did almost run the FedEx guy off the road when he tried to leave my house after dropping $2,000 iPads off on my front doorstep on a day they said they weren't delivering it. 
that was me. But that was yeah, a FedEx it's... guy I was mad at. But, uh, <laughs> all right, all right. So you uh, you activate it. You've got uh, magic NFC going on, and then uh, now what's it, what's it like on the inside? I mean, what running the is it all in wallet that you see these colors and stuff? I've heard about. Yes, yes. Everything is in wallet. It's um, a really beautifully designed app. Um, I think you know that's part of what I do for a living is design user interface things and they did an outstanding job um so this was really research yeah well yes (laughs) it's for science allison for science um yeah it's really beautiful there's an image of the card and the image changes color based on what your spending has been so orange is eating out uh let's see what else have i done I went to a, a hotel to meet a friend for dinner. They turned that one green. Um, so there are different colors for different things that you do. And that kind of helps you understand what your spending is. Oh, there's also, I mean, are you, yeah, is it gamifying? Like, like, okay, I want to make it be more orange than green. Um, no, but I think it's, to me, it seems like a thing that would be really helpful for someone who's fairly new to credit. So if you're maybe just out of school and you're in your first job and this is your first credit card, that might help you make some informed decisions about, oh, I'm going to, you know, bars and restaurants every night. Maybe I should knock it off. Um, So I think the the visual of it's kind of interesting. Right now, mine is equal thirds of uh, red, green, and orange. And beneath that is your total balance and how much available credit you have. Next to that, there is the date that your payment is due. And um, you can click that and set up your automatic payment. You can pay it when you want to. You can um, schedule it for another time. And there's a very cool thing that you can spin with your finger that uh, tells you how much interest you would pay if you made various payments. So if you paid the minimum, you would see exactly how much interest that you would pay. I think that's a terrific feature because I think for so long that's kind of buried in credit card statements and you really don't know. I I don't carry a balance personally because debt makes me itchy, but, um, but if you did have some, I think it would be really nice to know what an extra $50 a month payment might do to so your interest. Let me, let me think about mathematically what it's showing you. So let's say I've got a thousand dollar bill and I'm going to, and the minimum is a hundred dollars. Uh, it'll show me how much, how interest for how long, if I pay it a hundred dollars per month and don't incur any of the other expense. Yeah, it will show you for the current month. So it says, uh, choose the amount you want to pay, and it tells you when that is due. And based on what you slide, it tells you what your interest is going to be. So inside the little dial, it's got your total balance. Like mine, for example, is $182. And um, if I pay $137 of that, there will be no interest charges. But if I go down to, oh, even $10, they're telling me no interest charges. Might because it's the first month. I was going to say, um, woohoo, don't pay anything. Yeah, yeah, don't pay anything. But it's uh, 
really a nice feature, I think, for helping people stay on top of their finances. So a visual, uh, fun way to look at it and see what, so you could increase it and maybe not be quite as dumb by leaving the, uh, as much on the balance, huh? Right, right. Super uh, user-friendly, very graphical, unlike, you know, burying on page five of the fine print of your credit card statement. And then uh, underneath that, there's the uh, support is available through the wallet, through a text mechanism they built in there. And you can... you can text them? You can text them. You can call them. There is a website you can go to. I have not clicked it. Let's see where we go. Oh, it goes to Apple. Who would you be texting? Is it um, the credit card company or Apple? I think it goes to Apple first, and then Apple hands you off to Goldman Sachs if they need to. Okay, so if Uh, it's use of Apple card for some of the cute stuff, then it would be uh, Apple. But if it's... Hey, money. Yeah. I need another month or something. Yeah. I I think to increase your balance or pay by phone. One of the unique things about this card is if you lose your Apple phone, there's no website to go to to pay for the card. So you have to, at that point, you would have to figure out what the Goldman Sachs phone number is or go to Apple and ask them. And then, like an animal, call them on the phone and try to figure out how to pay your bill. So uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. So you can't see transactions online or download a CSV file to draw, do little Excel metrics or anything. Yeah. It, not today. It doesn't uh, link with mint or anything like that today. I can't imagine they're going to keep it like that. I imagine someone is furiously coding the back end of it. Um, so people can, they can embed it in the Mac when you buy your shiny new Mac and have the <laughs> Apple card embedded in there. Um, but after that, you get your latest transactions, uh, and they put a little map of where you were. So in case you can't remember where you made the Ooh. transaction, there's a map, which I or thought was if you lost neat. your card. Or if you lost your card and somebody used it. See where they were doing it. That would, that would certainly help with the theft, right? Right. And, um, with the transactions, it also shows you how much cash back you earned. So, so far, I'm only earning 1% cash back. And it takes the cash back and puts it in your um, Apple Cash account. Okay. So, so can I confess something? Uh, <laughs> that I, it, it sounds stupid, but I have had an hour... Now, probably 45-minute conversation with someone at Apple when I was uh, my credit card got compromised, had to switch it out, big fat. Oh, no, 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 it wasn't that. I actually closed down my bank of 39 years, um, well, my bank account, the bank's still there. Anyway, uh, I so I had to change everything, and it messed up all my Apple Pay stuff. And trying to figure out the difference between Apple Pay Cash and Apple Pay was incredibly difficult for me, and I have not figured it out yet. Do you actually understand the difference between them? I think of Apple Cash as almost like a debit card or prepaid card that you've put money into. Um, I've only used it a few times. So I do use Apple Pay at CVS and Walgreens and places that accept it. Um, but Apple Cash, I've actually only used, and I had a really weird use case. Um, a couple of my employees at my last job had come down to a meeting we were having downtown and I paid for parking and whatnot to do some video shoot. And I just said, Oh, just give me your receipts. I'll expense them. And then I reimburse them with Apple cash. Um, 
So that was just to save them the time of going through our heinous expense process. I think part of it is the the messaging is difficult. For example, I just started a new iMessage, and it is called iMessage, by the way, on my phone. It says new iMessage at the top. I addressed it to Denise Crown, and I looked down at the uh, row of little icons that I can uh, choose from of what I want to attach, and one of them says Apple Pay, and when I tap it, it's saying specifically dollars, and that's app. I think that's Apple Cash, right? I Apple think that is that. Yes, you can send people Apple Cash through messages, and it's Apple Pay Cash. So is it coming off my credit card, or is I it? Think coming- it <laughs> I, no, I. Th- I think you have to put the money in there first. I think so. So I think that's Apple Pay Cash, not Apple Pay. But what you know? Do you see my confusion? Why this yes. isn't obvious? Yes, it is confusing. Okay, I feel better as long as we're not... I didn't send you any money. No, I'm sending you a dollar right now. I want all the money because I need to give it to Tim Cook. Um, <laughs> there, I just send, just dollar. send it, just send it straight to Tim. Save okay, yeah. So it's taking um, it's taking it from my debit card, where I think yeah, Apple, uh, Apple Pay, yeah, Apple Pay goes to my regular credit card, but Apple Pay Cash is coming from my debit card. Yes, and so you can add money through the app to Apple Cash. And uh, you can also transfer your balance into your bank account from the the app in, uh, oh, look, I got a message from Allison Sheridan. She sent me a dollar. <laughs> You're the so, best. Actually, when that came up on screen, I saw, I saw two things in gray uh, when I said to go ahead and do it. It said, um, from Apple Cash, zero. From debit card, one dollar. So I think had I had any balance, it would have take it would have taken it from that. So Probably, if, if I spent a yeah. hundred dollars at uh, on at for dinner, I would have a dollar back from the Apple Card, and then I could send you a dollar from Apple Pay Cash, and it would have come out of that balance. Right, right. <laughs> and I just see I need at my... one so I could make that dollar so I could send it to you and it'd be free. Um, and I'll send you a screen print of this sh- for the show notes, but the, that dollar that you just sent me instantly appeared in my Apple Cash app. Okay. Wait, oh, wait, you have an Apple Cash app? Well, they, they call it, uh, it's in the wallet. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. I bet I, I wonder if I have one too. You'd think I would know this stuff. There's How many people you think are screaming at their phones, you're a moron, Allison? <laughs> I do have a cash thing and it's got nothing in it, but it says I sent Denise a dollar. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so at the beginning, we started talking about the reason why you did this. And you said you've managed to talk yourself into having a really good reason for having the Apple Card. What was your... Uh, your yes. So I do travel quite a bit for work. And I have another card that I put that I get mileage and points for. I'm kind of strategic with how I use my cards. But I like to keep my business travel separate from my personal purchases. Because like you, I don't buy anything with cash it's all with plastic mm-hmm. um so my use case for the apple card will be to cover all my incidental expenses when i'm traveling and one thing i really like about it is there's no number on this card so you can't go to a restaurant have them run in the back scribble down your number and sell it to their friend out the back door which has happened to me on more than one occasion um, so I, I'm very happy about that. I like that aspect of it a lot. 
Yeah, yeah. Now, everyone in other countries is saying, what kind of barbaric land do you live in that they leave with your credit card? <laughs> it always surprises me when I go to other countries that like we just went to Canada and they come to your they come to the table with a little thing and they, they never run away with it. Right, right. That seems. And then you come back home and you're like, I can't believe I've been letting them do this all the time. Right, right. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Um, so I think that's a great use case for it. I'm also kind of using it now just for fun to kind of learn how it works and play with the app and understand all their little reporting and things like that. So in preparation for our call, I've been running around. But I would say my daily driver is my Costco card for sure, because I get extended warranties and um, they have really great benefits and I get a uh, 4% cash back on gas and wow, uh, 3% cash back on some other things. So with yeah. Apple, <clears throat> with Apple, you get 3% back at the Apple store. Um, 2% for, I can't remember now what the 2%. I think 2% is everything else when you use Apple Pay, not with the physical card, and 1% oh, with the physical card. You are correct. You yeah. are correct. Yeah. Which is interesting. I wonder why they're incentivizing not using the uh, the real card. That must, that, that there's got to be some motivation in there, right? Um, I don't know. Maybe just to kind of kick us in the shin to become more digital. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. So I talked about this on Clockwise, but I've been using a credit card from American Airlines for the last, I don't know, decade or so, maybe even longer. And uh, Denise's remark about I do everything on plastic. The reason I do it is because every single dollar I spend turns into an American mile. And then the American miles I get are roughly worth 10 cents on the dollar. So I'm getting, I believe that means I'm getting 10% back. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, that sounds wrong, but our, our recent flight to Chile. So so we fly all over the world. Most of the flights that we're on, we're flying business class and we are not paying for them more often than not on these crazy trips you see us taking. And so, it. I mean, we did all of the trip to Dubai and India and Nepal, the big, big international flights. Uh, three of the four of those were all paid for through just by spending money on my, my American credit card. Um it's a, I only have one data point for that calculation, and that was our recent trip to Chile. One of the flights we couldn't do with the uh, American card or with American miles. So we paid that one in cash, and it was, it was 10 cents on the dollar. So I think 2% or 3% sounds like a bad deal if that's true. Yeah, I don't think it's a, a fantastic uh, collection of benefits. I don't think you'd find anybody that would say it's, it's an amazing. Um, an amazing credit card program, but it, it's a, a beautiful card. I will feel proud to walk into the Apple store and give them all my money. Um, and I'll get a good chance to use it next month because, you know, we're coming up into phone season. Oh, yeah, uh, phone and watch season. Phone and watch season. And hopefully 16-inch MacBook Pro season for Allison. Ooh. You know, I, I if I can get the Apple card by then, even if I'm I'm losing money on uh, doing the uh the uh American miles, I think I'll still use it, you know, just cuz <laughs> just cuz you can. Yeah, cuz Tim Cook uh, told me to, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I think for traveling, I'm going to really uh feel more secure about it because I'm not kidding, I cannot go out of my house on a trip to anywhere and take a cab or eat in a restaurant and somehow not have to get a new credit card when I get home. <laughs> really? It happens that often. 
that often. Jeez. The only the only time my my favorite story to tell uh I had a credit card Actually, it might even have been the American credit card, but I finally beat them into submission. They would stop my card all the time for all kinds of transactions. So like if you if you book a flight and then you book a hotel, what would the next thing you might charge be? It would be a car, right? That's the sequence of events. I could Seems never book logical. all three. Whatever I did, if I booked two of them, they would stop my card before I did the next one. Then they, <laughs> then they would call me and they'd say, well, there's some suspicious activity on your account, Dallas. And i say, oh my gosh, what was it? Well, there was a charge to Apple computer. I am not making this up. They called me because I say exactly what is your criteria? Because that's one of those things like you don't see a charge at Apple. You should be calling me because my credit card is stolen. And, uh, and then finally, but, but the, the coup de grace was we were going to Mexico and I called him up and I said, okay, I'm going to Mexico for 10 days. I will leave on this date. I will come back on this date. I do not want you to cancel my card while I am charging in Mexico. Okay. I will be in Mexico. Do not let there be charges before or after in Mexico just during these 10 days. I let a couple of months go by and I'm thinking, you know, I just didn't feel like she really paid attention to me. So I call and they go, nope, there's no record of you haven't called and told us. Okay, fine. I'm going during these 10 days. Do not charge it before or after. But when it, during these 10 days, let me charge in Mexico. Well, they let me charge in Mexico and they also let whoever stole my credit card number charge three weeks later down in Mexico. Oh, <laughs> so annoying. Yeah. So I, I think this Apple card will help deflect some of that. One other thing, too, that I thought was odd was it doesn't have a um, a contactless uh, payment chip in it which I'm kind of, I love my Costco card because when I go to Costco, I just sit it near the um, the little terminal and the payment is done. I don't have to swipe or insert it or do any of that. And I really thought in this day and age, Apple would put that in the card, but, but for some they reason they to? didn't. Because if you, if you have the option of contactless, you would be using your phone. Um, that's true, I suppose, but physical card is only for people who won't take your, take your phone or your watch, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I find the using my phone and my watch to pay kind of a little clunky, maybe because I don't do it often enough, but. Oh, interesting. I don't, cause I'm I don't, like I don't have tap double to pay. Tap. Uh, I don't have tap to pay on my, um, uh, credit cards today. So I always use my phone and my watch. Yeah, maybe I'm just used to my Costco card. Yeah, I guess so. I love I love using my my uh, watch. I always say, and I'm going to pay with my watch like I'm from the future. Every <laughs> time I say it, they laugh. I, oh, I will say though, paying with a watch is fun. I will <laughs> say it's kind of a delightful experience. I have stopped using it for my uh, boarding passes though, because so many times the watch falls asleep before you can, yes. do it, or you can't get your arm in there. So I gave up on yes. that. Yes, <laughs> I had a I had a woman at Southwest get really annoyed with me one day when that and I'm tapping frantically to wake it up, and she's just like, <laughs> "Paper works fine every time, right?" <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else you haven't told us about it that we uh, we should be dying to know? Hmm. Doo, 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 doo. I think we've about covered everything. I, th- I think we've about covered it. Um, I, I think it's, a, like I said, I think for somebody new in the world of credit and trying to understand how all this works, it might be really, really helpful for them. Um but I, I th- it's a beautiful card. It's very hefty. Um, I, it's not going to snap in half like a plastic card. Oh, yeah. How do you cut it up? 
Oh, you know, I don't think you do. I'm fairly certain when I depart this earth, I will be buried with this card. <laughs> and then we'll just, that'll be it. Um, I, I, this is not something you're going to put through the shredder for sure, because it's, um, it's pretty thick. Maybe tin snips. I believe it's titanium. So we'll, we'll have it, to check into that. We'll have to check into that. Maybe we could turn it into jewelry if we... Maybe the uh, Will It Blend guy will take care of that for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Denise. Well, it has been too long. I really appreciate you coming back on the show. And if people want to follow your nonsense uh, around the internets, what, how would they do that? Sure. Um, I'm Denise Linnae in the Nocilla Castaways group. And I'm also Deverell on Instagram and Twitter. And that is D-E-V-E-R-E-L-L-E. All right. Well, it's been too long. Come back again soon. Okay, Allison. Talk to you soon. Oh, my gosh. How fun was that? You know, Denise beat me to the punch when we finished recording. She goes, oh, man, I smiled the whole way through that. That's exactly how I felt. My face hurt from laughing, enjoying talking to her. I think we got some actual content into the podcast, but it was just such a blast talking to her. Um, I think we need to have her on more. Don't you guys think that? Anyway, that is going to wind us up for this week. Don't forget to send in your dumb questions, comments, and suggestions by emailing me at podfeed.com. And I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff in here to make sure I get in before you guys all turn off the uh, the recording because you never listen to the end of these things. There is no live show next week, but we will be back on target. I promise the week after. I don't think we have any other plans to be out of town between now and the end of the year. That, of course, will change. Anyway, if you want to have some fun with us, if you want to become a patron, go to podfeet.com slash Patreon. You want to join our Facebook group, podfeet.com slash Facebook. If you want to join Slack, a bunch of people coming into Slack right now, podfeet.com slash Slack. And if you want to join in the fun of the live show, not this coming Sunday, but the following Sunday, head on over to podfeet.com slash live on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific time like Marty did for the first time this week and join the friendly and enthusiastic Nocella Castaways. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed. <laughs>